Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back to Grant and Danny on the fan. We are taking you all the way up to 6.30 tonight. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. and Visit kmlawyers.com. Mention the show to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. As promised, caller number 10 at 800-636-1067. Congrats, you're winning two tickets to see the Caps. Games Tuesday, February 6th against the Canadians. For tickets in the complete cap schedule, go to thefandc.com slash contests, courtesy of the Washington Capitals. Yesterday, Mel Kuyper came out with a mock draft for ESPN. He had Washington going quarterback at two, as we're all expecting, but he had them taking Jaden Daniels from LSU, the Heisman Trophy winner, not Drake May, who we've been talking a lot about Washington likely landing. And it led to quite a conversation over the... 24 hours or so since, and I wanted to get one of our favorite draft experts on to talk about it, and we've done that. Dane Brugler of The Athletic, I think he does maybe the best job in the country right now of breaking the draft down, and you should follow him if you're not already. Uh, make sure you check out all of his content in The Athletic leading up to the draft. He's on social at DP Brugler. Uh, Dwayne, Dane, thanks for the time. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Great, buddy. Doing good. So let's just start before we kind of lead the witness here. Breakdowns of May and Daniels, and how you rate them at this moment at the quarterback position. Yeah, one thing about mock drafts too. I think it's important for just everybody to remember mock drafts are about laying out scenarios. You know, especially in January. You know, this is a lot's going to change between now and draft day. It's not about you know making sure we're getting these exactly right in terms of accuracy. It's about hey, this is a possibility. This is one way the draft could realistically play out. And uh, I think it's one of the biggest myths with the draft process is there is a consensus quarterback board that all teams follow. You know, this guy's quarterback one, this guy, it's just, that's not how it works. Every team has their own quarterback board and it is different from team to team. And if Jaden Daniels is quarterback one for one team, I don't don't think it'd be that much of a shock because with Jaden Daniels, what he put on film the last two years at LSU, which, by the way, first time in his career, he's had the same play caller and ecosystem, offensive ecosystem in back-to-back years um, these past two years at LSU. And obviously we've seen how how that's played out for him. Um, But what he put on film this year, I'm a big proponent of – uh, guys that create explosive plays. I think that translates. I think you know, those are the type of guys I want on my team. Jane Daniels accounted for 90 plays of 20 plus yards this year uh, using both his legs and his arm. And to put that number in perspective, Joe Burrow, when he had that national championship Heisman winning season a couple of years ago at LSU, he had 87 uh, plays of 20 plus yards. So Jane Daniels had three more, plus he played only 12 games. Burrow did that in 15 games. So what Daniels has put on film this year is really impressive. I think, does he benefit from 
uh, two first-round wide receivers, no doubt. Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas are awesome. The two other receivers behind them, they'll be drafted next year. Uh, the offensive line was fantastic. It really gave Jane Daniels a chance to read out and process the field. Um, but I, I think he – and it's not a, an apples-to-apples comparison, but the, the name that comes up when you talk to scouts about uh, Jane Daniels is Lamar Jackson. Again, not an apples-to-apples comparison, but defenses have to defend Jane Daniels the same way they have to defend Lamar Jackson because he is a true threat with his legs – uh, had over a thousand yards rushing this past year, averaged almost 100 yards uh, per game. Uh, so there's just a lot of things about Daniel's game that teams are really drawn to. Uh, down the field as a passer, 67% uh, completions on throws over 20 yards, um, 22 touchdowns to zero interceptions on throws over 20 plus yards. So down the field, what he does, does with his legs, his ability to create in different ways, that's what teams are looking to do. And I think what also the fact that he is an older player, he's ready to go. Um, you know, he, he's going to be a 24-year-old rookie, and he, you don't foresee him having to sit very long before he's, he's going to be the guy. Whereas with Drake May and even Caleb Williams, these guys are third-year players in college, still young, still working through their uh, growing pains. Um, and so Daniels is more ready to go out of the box, and it'll be really interesting as we get closer to see if, you know, these, these quarterback rankings, how, how close they are for different teams. It wasn't as if, Dane, that the Drake May's stats were bad. There's nothing bad about what he did. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't as anywhere near as prolific as maybe some of the other guys in this class. Why do you think that is? I think part of it is uh, the supporting cast. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I always um, try, to, you try, try to play this game where uh, if you put Jane Daniels in that North Carolina offense and you put Drake May in the LSU offense, how, 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 do, how are things different, how we view these two quarterbacks? Um, Jane Daniels still be able to find the, maybe not the same type of success, but still was he, would he be able to win more games in North at North Carolina than Drake may did when you don't really have that, you know, you're getting pressured right away because that offensive line struggled to protect you. Uh, the, the receivers are throwing to, yes, he had Devontae Walker starting, uh, what in the fourth game, but after Devontae Walker, you don't have an NFL receiver on that depth chart. Um, uh, for the Tar Heels. So I, the supporting cast, that plays a part. And then down the stretch, the biggest worry with Drake May, there were a few games, uh, the Clemson tape, the North Carolina State tape. Uh, watch those two tapes, and that's where he you know, really found himself pressing, got, got himself in some trouble with some of the decisions. He really felt, and it's, this happened with Caleb Williams too at USC. Both these guys felt like they had to put the superhero cape on because they weren't getting enough help from other places. So they felt like it had to be all on them to go create, go make a play, um, in Drake May's career, he, he's uh, 16 interceptions in his career. Uh, 12 of those have come in the second half. Uh, and again, I think it's because he's just he's pressing at that point because it's a close game and he needs his team to make a play. And sometimes it works out. You know, the Duke tape uh, was fantastic in terms of down the stretch what he did in the fourth quarter and overtime in that game. Uh, but it was the opposite against Clemson, against NC State. So the the blame doesn't fall squarely all on him, but you know there's there's plenty of blame to go around. But part of it is some of the decision making that that he had. So, uh, but I'm still a big Drake May fan because of uh, he's cut from the same cloth as Justin Herbert. The I think he has a lot of the mental tenacity that you want at the position. He benefits from the older brother theory. Uh, this is something that. I think is, is real. If you grow up with older brothers, your competitiveness, your toughness, it just accelerates and evolves quicker than, than uh, some other guys. And so he had three older brothers that all played big time athletics in college. 
Um, and, and he was a guy that was, you know, you could tell early on he was going to be better than all three because he was always playing up two levels in football or always playing up three levels in basketball because he wanted to play with his brothers. And we're seeing that with Drake May with how advanced he is for just a redshirt sophomore. Uh, there's going to be some growing pains with him, no doubt. But the, the tools, the traits, um, the intangibles that he brings, scouts are pretty excited about that. Our guest is Dane Brugler, does an amazing job breaking down the draft for the athletic. Do you, what is your like one through three quarterback ranking right now? I mean, I would go Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jane Daniels. I think that, um, you know, Caleb, he just, the, the, he's not a perfect prospect. Um, but with what he does, uh, he has this instinctive ability to create. And sometimes when he feels like he has to put that superhero cape on, it, it gets him in trouble. But I'll, I'll live and die with that because I think he has dynamic passing skills. Um, he can work on schedule. He can work off schedule. Um, the positives far away the negatives with him. Uh, he's always in a ready to throw position. Um, again, sometimes he gets a little overconfident with his abilities, but he's so masterful at creating those second chance plays. And it really leads to big time production. Nobody in, in college football had more touchdowns the last three years than uh, Caleb Williams, 120 uh, total. So, I mean, that, that, that uh, speaks a lot about what he can do. Um, but you know what? He also had the most fumbles over that uh, span, and that's something he needs to clean up, something he has to get better at. So, uh, Caleb, I'd still go at number one. Um, Drake May, you know, I talk about uh, how I'm still very optimistic. Scouts are very optimistic about, about him and you know, moving forward with, with uh, his progression, his development. Jane Daniels, I think, has shown a lot. Um, but, again, I think as he had a very – uh, conducive situation uh, around him, and is he really that type of passer that warrants the, a top three pick in the draft? That's where the question mark will be. So a lot of scouts just aren't there yet. They can't get there, even though he did make some strides uh, this past season at, at LSU. So um, I, I, I think that when you look at a quarterback in the top five picks, you know, the goal is not to draft the next Patrick Mahomes. It's just it's not going to happen. That's not a realistic uh, expectation. The goal is to find somebody you think can be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And I think that when you look at these three guys, you can get there with 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 these three guys. You can you, I can understand how a team, an evaluator would come to the conclusion that at some point during their rookie contract, you know, one of these three guys is or all three of these guys could get to that level where we're talking about them as a top 10 to 12 quarterback in the league. So uh, coach me out of this if you want to, or, or just react to it. But for me, like when Washington was projected to pick in that four to seven range, and there was still mm -hmm. some runway left in the college season, I was all over Jaden Daniels wanted him. And I still would be thrilled if, if he was the prospect they added. Right. But at number two, I like may more number one, if, if Ben Johnson's their head coach, which it looks like he might mm -hmm. be, to me, it kind of looks a little bit more like possibility of plug and play with this Jared Goff led offense. But also, I just I think there is more guesswork with Daniels. I think he's electric. There's talk about him maybe being Lamar like in some way. But as a passer, mm -hmm. it's just so much riskier to me. Uh, clean that up for me. I mean, g give me your thoughts on that. I think everything you said is fair. Um, his processing has no question has improved. Uh, but he will leave his reads too quickly. You know, he's still working through because he, he has a very good understanding of where to go with the football. Um, a lot of times he's going to that first read, but, you know, and he can read out left to right full field reads, but he doesn't necessarily have to all the time. And when he does, sometimes he leaves those reads too quickly. 
Um, I, his accuracy is good. Sometimes when he has to add some of those RPMs, uh, he'll miss a little bit high. Um, the, the placement can be a little more precise to make things easier on his receivers. Uh, and another thing with him that you have to factor in, yes, what he does with his legs is really impressive. The guy's a maniac when he runs. I mean, he, he, does, he needs to learn how to take care of his body. Um, at Arizona State, he was like a buck 85. Now, he's gotten up to 205, close to 210. We'll see exactly what he is at the combine. Uh, and that's certainly, you know, he's added weight and done everything he can, but he still has a very slender frame. And taking hits in the NFL, yeah, he played in the SEC, but taking hits in the NFL is still a, a much bigger thing than taking hits in, in the SEC. So taking care of his body, staying healthy, uh, that's, that's another factor for a guy that you know. You know, Part of the reason you're drafting Dean Daniels is what he can do with his legs, the fact that defenses have to account for that. So uh, you know, that, that's all part of the evaluation with Daniels. Dan Brugler with us here from The Athletic, breaking down the draft on Grant and Danny. So you, you touched on where I was going here, uh, Dan. We're in D.C. We're still a little bit gun-shy from what happened with Robert Griffin, right? The Heisman Trophy winner, sure. similar build, probably even a little bit more stout, frankly, than, than, than Daniels was at this point, but electric, and then it was gone. I love Lamar Jackson. When he's healthy, it's basically 4,500 total yards, uh, you know, mid-30s touchdowns, and a handful of picks. But there's the times where he's not healthy because of the hits he's taken, et cetera. It's got us kind of a little bit nervous here. Is there a way to sort of work around that, to compensate for that? How is Daniels as a guy that's going to maybe avoid some of that contact and slide earlier or something to that effect? Is it something that he that is part of his game or that he'll have to learn? Because if it's got to be learned, that makes me nervous. I, I do think it has to be learned. I think he is – every time he, he runs with the football – he is prepared to show how tough he is. And, you know, that, that's great mentality to have. But in the NFL, it's just not realistic when you're built the way he is. You know, I, I think coaches need to really uh, get on him about being durable and making sure that – and that he didn't miss any time uh, at LSU. Uh, the only game he missed was when he opted out of the bowl game the last two years uh, for, for, for the Tigers. So it's not like he has missed significant time uh, with injury. That gives you a little bit of optimism, uh, but at the same time, again, getting hit in the NFL is much different. And just to prolong his career, you don't need to show me how tough you are every time you run. Um, I, I really love – he's such a dazzling runner. Uh, his dad was a corner, uh, and, you know, that apple didn't fall too far from the tree. He got a lot of that athleticism and a lot of those just athletic instincts. So the way he can buy time, access these different platforms to throw, to, uh, throw from – it's really fun and really it makes for an explosive offense. So, you know, you kind of have to, I understand what you're saying, being a little gun shy with it, but you know, it's, uh, it's part of the Jaden Daniels experience, the good and the bad. And so you have to kind of uh, go all in, see how it plays out. As far as Daniel's weight, he's listed like around 185, which is 30 pounds lighter than Griffin or Lamar Jackson. Is he heavier than that now? What do you expect him to weigh at the combine? What do you expect him to play at in the league? Uh, well, I thought, according to a scout who went through Baton Rouge in the fall, he was uh, 206 um, when he went through. Um, so w- by the combine, I expect him to be over 210. Um, you know, we we had this discussion with you know Bryce Young last year, uh, who played uh, 188 at Alabama. Then by the time the combine rolled around, he was 204. Uh, and then right after that, I mean, I'm sure he got right below 200 pounds. So for Jaden Daniels, it's what's that comfortable weight? He, he has a very slender bone structure. Uh, so He's it's not, not as like, tiny you know, as he, Bryce Young. I mean, Bryce Young looks like no. a kid when I watch him. Jaden Daniels is 6'3 and a half. Yeah, no, no, his um, height, you know, his height, height is 20. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, height's, height's not a question with him. It's just he has a very slender bone structure. You know, he's not going to bulk up. Not That's just not his body type. So I, I think the goal for Jane Daniels is to be somewhere in that 207 to 212 range. I, I think that's probably the most comfortable weight for him, which, you know, isn't ideal for a guy that's 6'3 and a half. But again, it's a lot better than the 185 that he was at Arizona State. So if he's around 210 at the combine, I think that's a realistic uh, a goal for him. Is there a system design-wise or something that you see in the NFL where you go, they need to get their hands on Daniels because that's the higher ceiling than maybe uh, a Drake May? You know, I don't know anything specific in terms of, uh, you know, a, a scheme that has air raid concepts or, um, uh, you know, uh, some. Uh, we look at what Todd Munkin's been doing in Baltimore um, and just a really smart way of using the middle of the field, tapping into what Lamar Jackson does really well. Um, I, it's just with Jaden Daniels, it's understanding that, uh, you know, he is a guy that wants to use his legs. And so, yeah, he can process from the pocket, but making sure that you're uh, moving the, the pocket, making sure you're creating these different platforms to help extend these routes and to give him more opportunities to use his legs if he needs to, but he is a pass first quarterback. And so uh, I think it really, it's, it's less about system and more about the play caller and offensive coordinator understanding this is the strength of my quarterback. This is how we're going to design our game plan around what he does best. And Jane Daniels is just a little bit different. But you know what? All three of these guys, Drake May was the best third down scrambler in college football this year. I don't think he gets enough credit for that with mm. what he did with his legs. Caleb Williams extends plays constantly. Not, I mean, and he's a better athlete than I think people give him credit for. He'll break off a 40-yard run like it's nothing. I mean, he is that – he played running back in middle school, and, and Caleb Williams still has that mentality to him when he has the ball in his hands. So all three of these guys are – they influence the game with their legs and their athleticism, and that's just really where the quarterback position is going. Last one for me on Drake May, I guess, two-parter. A comp that you like, and then also – I don't know how much you've studied like Ben Johnson's offense specifically, but just in that offense, the way that they use golf, the way that they operate from the pocket a lot, how would you think May would be a fit there? I think it'd be a, a natural fit because of the way that uh, May is he's very comfortable with a constrained pocket. Um, he, he doesn't need space to operate. Um, you know, he is, he, he's cut from the same cloth as Justin Herbert in terms of that, that size, the athleticism, the arm, uh, the arm confidence, um, sometimes to his detriment. But, uh, you know, he is a guy that in some of the times the accuracy can be just a little bit off. But it's uh, I trust him out of these three quarterbacks. I trust him the most from the pocket. And, you know, again, this is a young player. He's um, just 21 years old. Um, and, you know, he's still going to learn. He's still going to have these ups and downs as part of a you know, learning process. But out of these three quarterbacks, he's the one that I would trust the most from operating from the pocket, but then also can get out on the move. So if that's where it ends, the marriage ends up being with, with Ben Johnson and Drake Bay, I'm pretty, pretty darn excited if I'm a Commanders fan. So I think it's going to be really interesting here, which head coach they hire, and then who ends up going number one and how that affects what Commanders do at number two, because uh, they're going to have options here. And this, this draft, it's – it's not a bad thing to have options, and they're going to certainly going to have options with these quarterbacks picking at number two. Dame, great as always with us, buddy. We'll bug you a bunch leading up to the draft, man. Thank you. All right, anytime. Thanks, guys. That's Dame Brugler. Check him out. His work in the athletic is tremendous. Does a really good job of covering the NFL draft.
Next on Grant and Danny, there's a lot for Adam Peters and his staff to get done that isn't just hiring a head coach or worried uh, about the draft. Ben Standig did a top 10 list of things to do this offseason for Adam Peters. I want to go through that next right here on G&D on the fan. With Danny, I'm Grant. You are listening to The Fan. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. You can visit kmlawyers.com. Mention G&D to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. As a reminder, at 5 o'clock tonight when we talk with John O'Rand, we're going to get the latest on sports media and sports business from him. I will be giving away tickets to our big event with 106.7 The Fan Night and the Team 980 at Bethesda Theater, February 2nd at 8 p.m. when all of your favorite D.C. sports radio hosts will be on stage for an unscripted event. Should be a lot of fun. The Junks, B. Mitch and Finley, myself, Danny, the whole crew is going to be there. The fellows from Bit Season as well. Get tickets at BethesdaTheater.com. Presented by Main Street Bank, cheer local, bank local. Put their team in your office. Visit mstreetbank.com for more information. That might be a record, by the way. Danny's just getting back into studio now. Cut it off close there. Uh, no, not that close. About two and a half minutes. Yeah. Close. Uh, so not as close. Uh, you, you know, it's down the hall. There's a door. Okay. Mark little boys on it. Or it's marked yeah. men's room. You know what I mean? Okay. I said that the, it came out awkward the first way. <laughs> I went a, to a little boys' room just to see. No, it's a men's room. That was a strange way to put it. Yeah, it was pretty uh, urgent. Everything work out for you? It, it, yes. Just took a little longer yeah. than you anticipated. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that, everybody. I'm here. Everything's fine. Yep. That might be a new record, though. I mean, Darius and Ryan were about to send out a search party, I think. You didn't have to, you wouldn't have to go to the, call the Coast Guard or get a helicopter involved or anything. You just go down the hall. <laughs> get a few more minutes. They might have made yeah. a, Made a call. We haven't seen him in, in hours. Uh, all right. I wanted to go through Ben Standig's top 10 list on the Adam Peters to-do list this offseason. Number one, he says hire a head coach. They're in the process of doing that, and they have whittled their list down to some second interviews they're going to be doing. We found out today from Tom Pelissero of NFL Media. They'll be flying to Detroit after Sunday's NFC Championship game with San Francisco, one way or the other. Win, lose, or draw. They're going to go to Ben Johnson and to Aaron Glenn to interview both of those guys. I still think they're also going to interview Mike McDonald early next week as well. Mm -hmm. I think he'll get maybe an in-person visit in Baltimore. I guess it's possible he could come to them at the facility because it's it's close enough. Uh, but that'll be the plan early next week. Uh, ben says, number two, fill in the front office. Remember, they still have not ironed out the front office details. This is the essential thing to me. This is obviously head coach is, is one, and it should be number one. It's the priority. It's the it's the conduit between that front office and then the application on the field, dealing with the players. Head coach is obviously massive. It's the biggest thing. This is number two for me, for uh, among anything else. And that's good that Ben listed it right here. Who stays from the previous regime? Spoiler alert: If I'm in charge, very few people. Uh, everyone else should be updating their resumes. I'll, I'll you know get get you a taxi ride to Dallas, or you know help you update your resume, or uh, get you a nice recommendation. But who stays and who goes? Filling out that staff, I think, is essential, right? What am I looking for when I when I 
Uh, you know, what evaluators? What are they? What you know, attributes are they looking for? What system are we running? All those things. I want to find the folks that fit with me, and won't just say yes to me. Uh, Martin Mayhew style or Marty Herney style, right? I, I need to be challenged at, at certain points. Filling out this group of excellent people, where eventually some of them are going to go be GMs elsewhere. That's what you want. And that hasn't happened in a minute. Yeah, I mean, a GM's only as good as their scouts and their staff under them, right? I mean, Howie Roseman, any of these great GMs that people love right now are successful. Think about the 49ers and John Lynch, who everyone heaps praise on. It's because of guys like Adam Peters Mm -hmm. underneath him that do a lot of the work. So he's going to have to have a really good staff if he's going to continue to be one of the great executives in football. I hope right now, when he's not doing interviews with coaching candidates, he is talking to the agents of and talking directly to the people that he wants to bring in and really getting them on the same page. And the stars are starting to align on some additions, either people he can get out of their contracts in San Francisco. Maybe it's folks he worked with in Denver and New England who have moved on. But I hope there's a bunch of people coming in from outside the building. But he does have to determine, as you said, in terms of the guys that are here, who stays and who goes. A lot was made last week about the fact that if you look at their website right now, Adam Peters is listed as the general manager, and right next to him on the website is a picture of Martin Mayhew, who's also listed as the general manager. And a lot of people thought that was like awkward or, or funny or weird. I don't care about that at all. It's I'm just going to use common sense here. One of them was the general manager, Martin Mayhew. Mm-hmm. He will not be anymore. The other is Adam Peters. He is their general manager. And they haven't gotten around to figuring out what they're going to do with the rest of the guys yet. If they weren't hiring a head coach... Maybe I'd feel weird about that. They have more important things to do right now. And time is kind of of the essence. Like you are interviewing a person, sometimes two or three a day at this point for that job. So I have no issues at all with them not having taken the title away from Mayhew or fired him yet. He worked with Peters. Peters might say, I like Martin in this role. I think he could do this for me. But the fact that they're both right now listed as GM, like to me. It's weird. Is it? I mean, I guess I. It, it is not registered to me at all. I don't like there. You, there's just not. You you could give me a million things to care about. Like you get one million things to change that would still not make my list. I, I don't care. He's not really the GM. It's a word. If you want him to spell something different on the website, old GM, they could do that for you. But it's Adam Peters is the GM. I think we all kind of get it. Uh, but they're going to figure that out as soon as coach is over. I want him investing every ounce of energy that he has into getting the coach correct, figuring that out. Third thing listed here by standing is the quarterback plan. That's going to take some time. It might also be really simple. It might be that when you sit down and you hire the head coach, you guys are in agreement. You're using the number two pick on a quarterback. You know who we like is this guy. You know who I like is that guy. Great. Now you got you to go to the combine and you got to do everything leading up to it to see it, let's. How do we rank these three quarterbacks? Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. You'll see if anybody else fits into that conversation. But presumably, you just take whichever is the highest one on your list that didn't get taken 1-1. If May's your favorite quarterback and he goes first, now it's Williams versus Daniels. Like, everyone's talking about Jaden Daniels versus Drake May. What if one of them goes first overall? You know, now the debate might be Caleb Williams versus Jaden Daniels. or it, it may be different than we assume when we get there. There's a lot of things that could happen between now and then. So those are the big three things. Head coach, quarterback, rest of the front office. Here are some of the other things that aren't getting talked about a lot that Standing says are the key priorities of the offseason. He lists, what do you do with John Allen? Remember, Allen was on with the junkies and suggested he may want to go somewhere else. 
Two years remain on the original four-year deal they gave Allen, $72 million, that extension. He signed in 2021, so he's halfway through that deal. Allen's deal has zero guaranteed dollars in the future. That's very friendly for the team, not for John Allen. He may be in the business of holding out or not wanting to be around. They also have Deron Payne under contract at $22.5 million per year. He is a tradable asset, just like Allen, the 29-year-old, is. So I would add Deron Payne to this, but what are you going to do with your D tackles? Is either of them a trade chip? Allen's performance this season, five and a half sacks, 10 and a half tackles for loss, not quite the same as the last couple of years. And he was still statistically better than Payne was after he got all his money. It's a smart point here by Ben, but this is could be viewed one of two ways. Like Peterson Company walk in and go, no, no, no. The defense was bad. They got caught in that quagmire. These are both really good players that, you know, 25, 30 teams would love to have as their starters. We got them here. We're not just going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Conversely, you could go, Allen's 29. He could really help a contender right now, which we may not be for a year or two. Let's use him as a, a trade asset, right? Good players. There's nothing wrong here. Leader, great dude to have in the locker room, but he could probably be better served for us elsewhere as future assets and some cap space. That is a major choice, and having an asset that's either a good player for you or maybe a good player for somebody else is a positive thing. Going through the Adam Peters to-do list as uh, put together by Ben Standing of The Athletic. Next, he says serve and protect. He's talking about addressing the offensive line. The commanders, during the four-year span of Ron Rivera operating this organization, 206 sacks allowed, second worst among 32 teams. One of the key themes over and over again, as we've talked about, was the diminishing of talent on the offensive line, where it looks like Sam Cosme's a building block. They kicked him inside the guard. He was fantastic this year. But otherwise, there's a lot of questions. Uh, what are they going to do with Charles Leno? Final year of his contract, uh, the restructured reduced number on his salary, $15.5 million at this point. Uh, does he remain at that number? Uh, is Ricky Stromberg ready to be plugged in at center? Or do you think you need to go upgrade at that very important position? Uh, Andrew Wiley did not have a strong first year in D.C. as someone that presumably Eric Bieniemy was instrumental in bringing in from Kansas City where they worked together. Is he still in the plans moving forward as a starter there? You know, could he also end up playing guard for you and he kicks over to the left guard spot where he hasn't really played? I mean, there's a lot of different things they can do, but I don't think anyone would dispute the fact that offensive line play and adding talent to a room that is under-talented has to be a massive priority we all said that last offseason, yep. and then they just, for whatever reason, decided not to address it. So we're good. They paid for it for the most part. Well, 100%. I, I think I think they need four new starters on that offensive line. And I think that's, you know, including obviously Sam Cosme, who kind of broke out in that right guard spot. But everybody else is either, you know, declining, with all due respect to a guy like Charles Leno, who's been fine, but even, even been plus at times. But I think maybe that ship has sailed. They need to upgrade at left guard, center certainly, and I think right tackle is, is a no-brainer. If four new starters probably isn't realistic. I don't know that they need four. They probably would like four. You'd like to be better in four spots. If they could have two new starters as a minimum this year, that's a good start. Maybe three would be per, you know ideal and realistic. And get away with having somebody exactly. at one of the spots. I mean, you yeah. paid Wiley. Can you get out of both tackles when you owe both of them money? I'm not convinced of that. So maybe one of the two tackles is back. And then the the interior three guys, you know, you have Cosme as a holdover and two new faces. You know, something like that might work out. Uh, another thing listed here on the to-do list for Peter, Peters in the Athletic, fix the pass rush. Remember, you traded Montez Sweat. You traded Chase Young. And then they got nothing in terms of consistent pressures and pass rush. 
from the defensive end position. Now, they had two rookies this year that were late-round picks, K.J. Henry, Andre Jones Jr. Both might be you know rotational, fourth-edge-type players next year. But outside linebacker, defensive end, depending if you're running a 4-3, 3-4, you know, who your new defensive coordinator is going to be, edge rusher effectively, that is probably the biggest need on the team outside of quarterback you know, going into the draft and, and free agency now just based on what you've lost and the performance down the stretch where they could not get pass rush. They need an upgrade there. Um, you know, there's always an affordable, I put this in quotation marks, that like seven to eight sack defensive end free agent that nobody really seems that excited about. You can always find that guy. Like the, the, Now, sometimes it's Hassan Reddick and he goes and gets 15 for, for somebody when nobody wanted him. But that tier you can find to really upgrade, though, to find that star, that's probably a draft pick. Yeah, you're not going to find really good defenses in this league that are playing deep into the playoffs that don't have a really scary, terrific edge rusher, right? I mean, you look at uh, Detroit in the NFC title game with Aiden Hutchinson, who had 16 games with five pressures to lead the NFL this year. On the other side, you got Nick Boso, who's been a defensive player of the year, caliber player. You know, in the AFC Championship game, the best player on the D-line for the Chiefs is Chris Jones, who's on the inside as a DPOY type. But they have uh, Carloptis. Carloptis is no slouch. really, yet. really good. Um, Baltimore obviously has a D-tackle who's an all-pro candidate this year and, and has had success getting to the quarterback. Um, it's it's going to have to be a, a major area uh, of upgrade this offseason. And then listed quarterback uh, coordinators, rather. You know, who does Ben Johnson bring in as his D coordinator if it's him? Who does Mike McDonald, let's say, on defense, or Raheem Morris, if you go defensive-minded with the head job, who do they hire as an OC? To me, that's the biggest hire of the offseason at that point with a number two quarterback. And we haven't spent a lot of time on this because I don't think they're going defensive. But if they do hire McDonald, Raheem, Dan Quinn, something like that, the OC hire becomes legitimately now like the single biggest thing that happens this offseason because you're making or breaking the development of your own quarterback potentially with that hire. Then you get into some free agents that you've got to make decisions on. And some of the guys that have contracts due up into the future, you got to start determining you know, what you think of them. So he's going to be very, very busy. There's not a lot of time to waste here ahead of free agency. I mean, to me, that, that sort of brain trust being formed is the essential thing. Because those individual players getting signed or not signed, kind of your big picture stuff, they, they become, so I, wouldn't, I don't want to say trivial, because it obviously matters who goes on the football field, but whether you retain a cornerback or a safety or which right guard or whatever, that's all secondary compared to who's going to be the architect and in charge of everything over multiple seasons. Grant and Danny on the fan. Our double play is next at 4 o'clock. We are going blitzing right here on the fan. He's Danny. I'm Grant. This is the fan. We'll squeeze in a double play in a moment. The Raiders have hired their general manager. It's Tom Telesco, who is the GM for the Chargers over the last several years. Hired Brandon Staley. They got blown out together. In fact, Telesco's final day on the job was a 63-21 to loss to the Raiders. And I guess Mark Davis was watching, and he I liked that. the team that gave up 63 that Telesco put together so much that he's like, who put that team together? What a savant he is. Bring me him. I'm, I'm kidding a little bit, but I'm very surprised Telesco in the division right away got a job immediately with all of the kind of the young up-and-comers that we haven't seen get chances yet. 
they are a this this church's program under him. They've had talent there. They have right. So that, I guess I suppose that's in his defense. It's just the the group that could never really put it together. I mean, a lot of nine and sevens that won twelve and four in twenty eighteen, if you recall. But then a lot of like bitter underachievement. A couple five and elevens in there. Just a, a bizarre team that's been hard to figure out. I might have to let Tom Telesco sit a couple of plays out before I sprinted to hire him if I was in charge. All right, let's hit a couple calls, then we'll get to our double play. Mark's been waiting in Largo. What's up, Mark? How are you? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, man. I think um uh I think one of the uh, things that I think Adam Peters needs to work on is probably I agree with you, Grant, is filling out the staff for the GM office. I mean the, the office that he's in. And then, of course, the uh, the coach and whoever the coach is going to get, um, building a foundation of how he wants everything set. I guess, uh, <laughs> I guess they got to get everything done pretty quickly because they got to go to the Senior Bowl. Is the Senior Bowl this weekend or is it next weekend? So the Senior Bowl will be. It's generally a week after uh, the the Super Bowl. So as soon as the Super Bowl is played, it's the following okay. week, I believe. But they won't have their full staff in place at that time, I no, don't think. No, they won't. No, they won't. Because they my guess is they're not going to be able to hire their head coach. It's going to be like the Colts situation with Steichen uh, or the Cardinals with Pretty Gannon. Much. It was right after the Super Bowl. Looks so. like Saturday, February 3rd this year. Does that make sense? Oh, so, it's, it's, so it's earlier. Okay. Maybe it's before, yeah. So, so well, but well, point well, of the dude's well, story is they're not going to hire their head coach, I don't think, until like the second week of February. So when that's uh-huh. done, then you turn your attention to the front office. Let me ask you guys something. If they do bring Ben Johnson in, who do you think is going to be the D, D coordinator? So this, to me, Mark, is the million-dollar question. It is indeed. I really am curious to see who he's able to bring with him and or get to sign up. One of the things I'm excited by is I think he is such a commodity and such a hot name right now that he'll be able to build a staff and people will jump to work with him. I don't have a great answer for you right now. I don't know who it would be. We've heard that Hank Fraley will be his offensive coordinator, who's the O-line coach with the Lions. I kind of like that. He's a Gaithersburg area guy. I don't know who his D.C. would be. I'm curious to hear names. So you'd think, listen, there's no tried-and-true formula, right? You could have two young guys. You could have a young guy and an old guy. You know, it's you know, sort of like a, you're, you're putting a sitcom together almost. But the model that I think of in a case like this, when you have a young head coach that's never done it before, it would be a smart thing to have someone that's got some wisdom who's been around the league a little bit more. Maybe they've been a head coach. Maybe they haven't. But, you know, think about Sean McVay and, uh, and Wade Phillips, for example. It's kind of that duo that, that went out there and did it pretty well in L.A. Something like that might make sense. So, again, it's a name that's been recycled and been around for a million years. But Wink Martindale is a dude that has, you know, a lot of tread on those tires. So Martindale was going to be the first person that, that I kind of threw out there just because I think he's the best available credential DC and my guess is he'd answer Ben Johnson's call Ben Johnson alert how about Ron Rivera as Come an on. offensive coordinator Grant that's a joke don't you do um, that two names in college like why not we saw what happened with Mike McDonald coming from Michigan why not try to go back to that well if Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan their D coordinator is a guy named Jesse Minter have him make the jump to the NFL I'd be interested in interviewing him if you're doing the college thing Glenn Schumann at Georgia that's basically like a you know, a smaller NFL program at this point. I mean, I'd be out of the box a little bit. The DB's coach in Dallas is Al Harris, the former Eagle. Remember that guy? Like, I, w- I would interview him and talk to him. I think you, you got to get creative. But if I had if I had to put money down right now, I, I guess Wink Martindale's a name that comes to mind that maybe you would call. I'd make a call to a guy named Leslie Frazier and see if he was interested in coming on back. Maybe. I would I mean, ask him. It, it seems like he wants a head job. That's not happening. 
what about I, I actually thought about this. What about Ron Rivera? Grant. Sorry. Shane in DC. What's up, Shane? Commander Danny. Round man of Radio Grant. How y'all doing today? Man. Hey, look, here's the thing, guys. Uh, ben Johnson would be a fool not to t- the only way this holds up to anything if Jim Harbaugh does not take that San Diego job. And I think that's right now gonna put a hold on everything. I really do. Uh, but I do think he's gonna take that job. But look, Shane, I hate to do this to you because you've been waiting forever, buddy. Your phone sounds phone's terrible. busting up. Are you moving around or something? How's that? Is that better? Oh, that's really good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then, yeah, I'm, I'm actually getting ready to get on a plane. Sorry, fellas. But listen, here's the thing: the uh, uh, the Ben Johnson. I think that that Jim Harbaugh is going to hold up everything unless he takes that job now. Uh, then what if he doesn't take that job? Now that job's open. Now that job's more attractive than the Commanders. I think if you're Ben Johnson, don't you go to like the Chargers? To, with with a with a franchise quarterback right there. I mean, it, it all depends on Jim Harbaugh. I think. I think what he he's right now has got a thumb on everything right now. So he decides what he wants to do. Because well, it seems right like now, Harbaugh to the Chargers him. is happening though. This isn't just Thank like. You, Shane. Well, maybe it could. It sounds like there's a really, really, really good chance that they're closing in on a deal. First and foremost, we've debated for weeks what's a better job: Chargers, Commanders. Yeah, we went back and forth. I think because of Herbert, that breaks the tie or any close tie. But there are flaws with that job. You're the number two team in the city. It's not that great or passionate a fan base out there. Uh, You've got to deal with a less than ideal ownership situation. You've got like a de facto GM who's the kid of an owner, Stephen Jones style. Like it's not all fun and games in L.A., but Herbert is a great cologne. You have Justin Herbert. The whole point of all these assets and picks and, and dollars is you're searching for that. They have that. Beltway Blitz next. We'll spin you around town with the teams you care the most about. You're listening to The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 